Well, good morning, church. I want to say welcome to two special groups of people. If this is your first time here, maybe it's been a long time, uh, we just want to give you a warm welcome. My name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here. And, uh, and then also, this is the last Sunday of the month. And so uh, every month on the last Sunday or the fourth Sunday, uh, we have a special group that joins us. Uh, and that is our Able Island folks. If you are from Able Island, uh, you are near and dear and special to our heart. That is our adult special needs ministry that takes place. They have a service uh, in the other building each and every Sunday, but once a month they come and join with us. So can we give it up for our Able Island uh, folks who are with us today? Well, if you missed last week, if you missed last week, um, we set up this series running with the Giants. And uh, I took a few moments to talk about how much I hate running, uh, how I'm not good at it, and, uh, and then was informed this morning that uh, one of our small group people signed me up for a race, and uh, I just really don't know how I feel about that, Curtis. Him and Pastor Zach are doing some, I don't know, savage race. and Maybe I'll just run and document it the whole time. How about that? How about I walk and document it the whole time? Who knows? Well, if you missed last week, it hopefully was because you had the flu like everybody else in Greenville. Uh, and you're better now. I don't hope that you had the flu. I just hope that you're better today. Uh, and if not, um, I would encourage everybody to please wash your hands uh, as you exit. Uh, we probably have some hand sanitizer at our connection table. It's missing. Um, I have an extra bottle in my office. And so uh, if I haven't seemed as friendly the past few weeks, it's just because I don't want your germs. Um, I'm just joking. I'm actually in the lobby each and every Sunday, so if you ever want to stop by and say, hey, some of you are like bolting out the sides like it's a race to get to your car, uh, we'd love to meet you if we haven't had an opportunity. But the setup verse, the theme verse for this series is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And if you know anything, if you're familiar with the book of Hebrews, chapter 11 is what we would call our, our faith hall of fame. It goes through, it's a really fun chapter to read because it kind of goes through just all of our heroes of the faith. And then we find chapter 12, verse 1, and it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all of our heroes of the faith in chapter 11, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out before us. The race that's marked out before us. So this entire series, we're just taking some heroes of our faith, uh, some people that maybe if you grew up in church, you heard these stories in Sunday school. If you didn't grow up in church, that's okay, because we're going to talk about them, uh, and we are going to look at their life and imagine if they were running a lap with us, what would they say? So last week, we talked about Noah. And Noah, he would say one person can make a difference. And um, just a side note, I got in trouble for telling my boys the story of Jonah this week. Um, you ladies who are in the sisterhood group on Wednesday night have already heard this. But I was trying to explain the story of Jonah, you know, who God told to go to Nineveh. And, uh, and then he didn't, and he got swallowed by a whale out of his disobedience. And so um, Cohen asked me, well, what's in Nineveh? 
And uh, so I was trying to explain to him that Nineveh was a place that Jonah didn't like the people there. And uh, so I may or may not have compared them to the Clemson Tigers. And uh, they understood. It was great. Lord, I apologize for messing up my kids and their theology and biblical understanding. But it's okay. Anyways, today we're going to talk about the prophet Isaiah. And uh, Isaiah, I, I want to take just a few moments to kind of give you some context on Isaiah. He was a prophet that we find in the Old Testament that he would have lived about 800 years before Jesus. And Isaiah tends to be one of the more well-known prophets, uh, partly because his book is the longest, uh, 66 chapters in length. And, uh, and so the book of Isaiah isn't the historical or the life of Isaiah. It's actually the prophecies of Isaiah recorded in Scripture. So if you want to take a look at the life of Isaiah, you could uh, take a peek and, uh, in 2 Kings 15 through 20, and we kind of see uh, what was going on during his life. And Isaiah is a prophet that clearly saw Jesus. Now imagine this, 800 years before Jesus walked the face of this earth, Isaiah had a glimpse, had a, a revelation, had a picture of Jesus. And we, we see that because John says in the New Testament that Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord. Isaiah actually saw vast detail of the crucifixion 800 years before. Now another name for prophets is, is this term seer. Seer. Because prophets, God would use prophets to help the people see what they were incapable of seeing. And so we're going to look at the life of Isaiah to help you see your spiritual journey a little bit clearer today. And if there's one verse that I think we can look through the prophecies of Isaiah that really just uh, will, will grip us and guide us today, it's this. And it's found in Isaiah 30 verse 21. It says this, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Now I want you to think about that for a second because I believe the prophet Isaiah is giving us a, a picture of whether we go to the left in this direction or whether we go all the way to the right in the total opposite direction does not negate that God's voice is still able to guide us. That we have an opportunity, maybe right is all of our life of mistakes. Everything we've done wrong in our life and we just continue to go to the right. I'm left-handed, so this is why I'm all of you right-handed dysfunctional people. You're going to the right. But maybe all of our mistake, all of our trouble has found this direction. God's voice is still able to speak to us and tell us this is the way. Walk in it. Maybe we've gone all the way to the left. Maybe, maybe left has been good decisions and the right choices for our life. And we've traveled this direction. God's voice is still able to guide us and say this is the way. Walk in it. See, I believe that even though the prophet Isaiah lived 800 years before Jesus, the prophecies, the instruction that he gives us is still true today. Walk in this way. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about that. God's voice. 
Maybe you sit here today and you're like, Pastor, I've never heard God's voice. I've never heard. I'm just trying to take one step and it always seems to be the wrong step. Or maybe you feel like I've been making the right choices. I've been walking in the way of the Lord my entire life. Pastor, what does this have anything to do with me today? Well, if you've walked in the right way or you walked in the wrong way, God still wants to speak to you. And if you're sitting here and you're like, well, pastor, I've never experienced that. I've never experienced the voice of God. I feel like I'm all alone. I feel like God is so distant from me. Well, I believe that there are some conscious choices we can make in our life to change that. Because God is not a distant God. God is a near God. But oftentimes it's our own choices in our own life that we've turned up the noise that we don't hear the voice. It's not whether God is speaking to us, it's whether we are listening. And if Isaiah would tell us one statement, if Isaiah could, could stand on this stage, if Isaiah was running that lap with us, I think he would tell us that we need to meet God personally. And I think he would say this, an encounter with God changes everything. An encounter with God changes everything. See, I think oftentimes in our life, we are just trying to make sense of today. Maybe make sense of our week, maybe make sense of our month. Regardless of what we're trying to make sense of in our life, this statement rings true. An encounter with God changes everything. Now, I need you to understand this because I think that sometimes we've kind of uh, distorted this encounter with God. I am so grateful that you are here with us at church today. If this is your first time or you've been attending this church long before I was even born, or you had the privilege of serving in the nursery when I was a little punk in the, I'm just kidding, I was a sweet kid. I just keep telling myself that, so I'm raising my own. Uh, but regardless of how long you have been at this church, an encounter with this church is not an encounter with God. I think a lot of times we show up on Sundays and we're just craving just a little bit of, of, of God. And so we've replaced that little bit of God with a little bit of church to become the numbing to our conscience. Or maybe it makes us feel better. Maybe it makes us sleep better at night. But hear me, if you don't hear anything else today, you need to encounter God and church is not that encounter. So I'm sorry if that messes with you this morning, but just by showing up to church is not going to be enough to change your life. If you don't have a personal encounter with God, the creator of the universe, then you are not going to experience the true transformation that he desires to do in your life. Because an encounter with God changes everything, not an encounter with church. See, our goal for you to be here is not for you to become a member of Greenville First. Although we really hope you like what's happening here and that you want to be a part of the family, you want to take some next steps, but that is not our goal is for people to come into our church and become members of our church. Our goal, our heart is that we would journey with you on this journey of faith regardless of where you are and get you to where Jesus wants you to be. And that is a place of personal encounter. See, I think if, if we really strip back, if we've made that decision to follow Jesus, to, to have that relationship, I really believe that the deepest part of us, we really want to encounter God personally. Once we've made that decision to step into relationship 
We kind of say, God, I I want to encounter you. I want to have that personal relationship with you. But oftentimes we just go about it the wrong way. So we're going to talk about some truth that we find uh, through Isaiah. Actually, chapter 6 is going to be our text today. Because in Isaiah 6, we see some truth about encounters with God. And the first is this, is that our greatest pain can be a catalyst for our greatest gain. Our greatest pain can be a catalyst for our greatest gain. This is hard for us to understand sometimes because God reserves some of the most painful times in our life to when he speaks the clearest and the loudest. Yet our human nature, our our natural reaction is not to run to God when we're in pain, but to run from God. You just think about the most painful, and I'm not trying to rip off band-aids here today, but think about the most painful time in your life. Most of the time, we are not running to God for comfort. We are running away from God because we don't understand why he allowed this pain to take place. So we run to other people, other things to replace him in our life. But what we should be doing is running to God in our pain, not from him. Even if the pain is your fault, and a lot of pain is not our fault, but even if the pain is because of your choices and it is your fault, you don't have to get all better and fixed up before you run to God. God can use those greatest moments of pain as a catalyst for the greatest gain in your journey of faith. He's just waiting for you to run to him. Isaiah 6, 1 through 4 says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, now just to, I'll I'll spare you without us going because we could take a whole Sunday just in, in this circumstance, but this was a painful, a low moment for Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim. Continuing in verse 3, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and thresholds, the, the inner being of Isaiah was shaken and the temple was filled with smoke. See, at the darkest moment, can become the greatest catalyst for you to have an encounter with God. But you have to make the decision, am I going to run from God because of the pain, or am I going to run to God in the midst of my pain? And I will tell you, if you want to encounter God, the direction is to run to him in the midst of your pain. If you're here today and you're in pain, Today, we want to give you an opportunity to run to God, to make that decision, to step into a relationship, to pursue him, to lean into his grace and his mercy. The second thing we find in Isaiah, in this truth of our encounters with God, is when we see God clearly, we see ourselves clearly. When we see God clearly, we see ourselves clearly. See, before God does anything else, when we make a decision to run to God in the midst of our pain, God wants to do a work in the deepest, darkest parts of your soul. But most of us in the room, 
Most of us in the room would say this, I want to go to heaven, I want to spend eternity with God, but I really don't want to give up the deepest, darkest parts of me. I love the song we sang today that my heart needs a surgeon because there's so much truth in this is that all of us in the room, myself included, has to be cut open and, and opened up for God to become the surgeon of my life that he desires to be. Why? Because there are things that are under the surface in all of us that we really don't want anybody else to know about. And so for us, we really would like to live this life that we don't have to open up to the deepest, darkest parts of us. God, if I'm just okay with living this surface where everybody else can see, I'm all right. But God wants to do a work in the deepest, darkest parts of us. And when we see God clearly, we begin to see ourselves clearly, and we begin to recognize that we need a heart surgeon. Regardless of how long we've been in our faith, regardless of how little and how short we've been on this faith journey, or maybe we're in the room today and we're lost and we came in and we're searching, we're curious, regardless of where we are, we all need God to do some surgery in our life. Here is the prophet Isaiah in chapter 6, verse 5. He says this, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. We have to be willing to take the mask off that all of us walk in here with. There are things in our life that we don't want to talk about because it makes us uncomfortable, which is probably a flag that needs to go up. We need to talk about this because it makes us uncomfortable. We have to become open and allow God to do Why do we believe and talk about small groups? Because we want to see small groups become a place of freedom because so many of us in here are struggling with things that are deep below the surface that until we engage in relationships with others and allow God to do that work through relationships, we're never going to experience the freedom that he intends for our life. We're never going to walk in the fullness. We're never going to truly encounter God in the way he wants to encounter us. I have friends in my life that ask me, how is your soul? It's real easy the first couple of times, hey, everything's good. And then when they, they, they say, no, no, really, how are things in your life? How is your purity? How is your devotional life? How is your relationship with God? As a pastor, we still have to guard these things and begin to open up and talk about some of the deepest, darkest. Why? Because none of us are immune from the attacks of the enemy. And the enemy would love for us just to keep things buried and hidden. We all have skeletons in our closet. And they'll stay there until we get them out of our closet. That's when we can experience life. We don't have to keep dead things within us. We can experience freedom and open our life and allow God to do the work that he intends to do. Honesty will bring clarity. You may sit here today and say, well, pastor, I've just been stuck in my faith. I've been stuck in the same rut for so many years. Well, my question would be, have you become honest with yourself? Have you become honest with God? Have you become honest with others? Because that's when true freedom can take place. But for most of us, we haven't allowed God to fully dig deep into our life. But he knows what's there already. 
Number three is this. God removes our past so he can redeem our future. God removes our past so he can redeem our future. Some of you haven't embraced your future because you're still holding on to your past. You're still holding on to the skeletons. But I want to tell you, get over your past because God has a glorious future intended for your life. But you can never walk in it. You can never embrace it until you find freedom from your past. The truth of the matter, we've had a lot of people in our life tell us the things that are wrong with us. The things that that are bad in us. I don't believe that I have to stand up and tell you what's wrong with you. (laughs) I believe actually when you begin to see God clearly, you'll begin to see yourself clearly. I I don't have to demean you and guilt and shame you into realizing the sin that we all deal with and all struggle with. See, God doesn't want to be the one that comes in and condemns you. God wants to be the one that calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why have we gotten this model so wrong at times? That we want to look at everybody around us, our families, in our marriages, in our kids, in our churches, and we want to point all the things out that are wrong. Yet what if we started calling each other out into the light that God intends for us to walk in? What would it look like if we actually begin to love others more and so we loved them so much we wanted to call them into the place that they needed to be instead of condemn them into the place that they already are? Process that just for a moment. That maybe God is just wanting to to see people move beyond their past instead of just be reminded of it. For you, if you're in the room... God doesn't operate by condemning you because of all of your past. God wants to call you into the future he has for you, but you have to make that decision to step in freedom. Isaiah 6, 6 through 8, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. The altar for you and I is the cross that Jesus gave his life on so that we can experience freedom. And verse 7 With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. So you can't figure out why your life doesn't make sense. It's because you're holding on to things that you have no business holding on to. You're holding on to your yesterdays and God wants you to find freedom. Verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. Church, if you walked in today and you thought that God's going to force you into a relationship with him, that he's going to force you into having an encounter with him, the prophet Isaiah, he still gave a choice. Who am I going to send? And Isaiah had an opportunity to respond. He said, here I am, Lord, send me. God is looking for people that in the midst of their pain don't run from God, but run to God. He's looking for people that would be willing to say, God, I I trust you enough that I want you to touch and work in the deepest, darkest parts of my soul. And God wants people who experience freedom from their yesterdays and step into the future that he intends for your life. So you won't experience, I believe, some of the best parts of God until you say, yes, send me. Yes, I will go. Yes, I want to encounter God, and I can do this by stepping into the future that he has called and created me for. 
But in the midst of my pain, I got to run to God. I got to be honest. I got I to allow God to do some surgery on my life. Open me up and put me back together like the masterful surgeon he is. And then I'm not going to allow my yesterdays to hold me back. I'm going to step into the future that God has for us. See, I think these are keys just to some truths to encountering God. But if Isaiah was going to leave us with some parting words, what would those be? I think the first is this, is that I think he would tell us, God wants to reveal more of himself to you. It doesn't matter how long you've been serving God. If you're new to faith, you're curious about your faith, you've been in your faith for a long time. Isaiah 55, 6 says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Church staff, Pastor Jimmy, Pastor Zach, Pastor Dustin, your families, seek the Lord. Your student in the room, seek the Lord. Your prime timer in the room, 55 and older, we consider you a prime timer. Seek the Lord. Your new parent in the room, seek the Lord. Your new believer in the room, seek the Lord. It does not matter where we are in our journey. It does not matter what position we hold, what pedigree we come from in our family. Seek the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. How do we do this? We go all in. Stop holding back because God doesn't want to hold back from you. So why do we hold back from him? You want to encounter God? Do something differently. We walk in, it's so difficult. Thank you, Pastor Kyle, for driving up from Charleston, leading us, giving Pastor Zach a break. But Pastor Zach, you know why? Every week he's got to lead. And it's sometimes, I'm going to be honest, sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get people to worship the one who breathed breath into our life. We want to encounter God. We shouldn't have to force you to worship the one that loved you enough to send his son before you loved him. It's got to take something different in our life. We want to encounter God. We all should. Go all in. Maybe it's time for you to lift your hands. Maybe it's time for you to confess the lyrics of the songs we're singing. Even though you may not feel worthy enough to sing what we're singing, it's okay. God loved you before you loved him. Before you had an opportunity to make that choice, God loved you and he wants to encounter you. This isn't just a church service, people. This is an opportunity for us to point you to the creator, to the maker of the heavens and the earth, the one who loves you. God wants to reveal himself to you. God wants to change you. I believe Isaiah would look at us and say, God wants to change you. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you way too much for you to stay that way. That's hard for us to, to wrestle with a lot of times in our life. God does love us just the way we are. God doesn't ask us to change our life before we come to him, but when we encounter him, when we begin to step into relationship with him, God wants to continue to transform us. Why? Because he created us in his image and he wants us to look more like him. 
So that's a part of the transformation process. Isaiah 1, 18 through 19 says this, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. 1 Peter 2, 2 through 3 says this, Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. There is a growth, there is a changing process that takes place in our life. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. There is a growth journey to our faith. That's why we want to journey from, with you from where you are to where Jesus wants you to be because it's a process for all of us. You know how we experience this? We take the next step. Every one of us in this room has to take a next step. If you're lost and you're curious in the room, maybe your next step today, God's already started to do a work in your life and maybe that next step is just for you to receive God's free gift of salvation. Maybe you've been here for a long time and you just haven't taken the next step to attend growth track, to become a part of the church, to become a part of the dream team. You've just been here because this has been your encounter and God's saying, take your next step. Maybe you're a new believer and you haven't publicly declared your faith with the, the, the sacrament of baptism. It's your time to tell your story, to say, I'm not going back anymore, God. I'm gonna allow you to do a work in me. Maybe you've been sitting here and you've gone through growth track and you just haven't hopped on a team or you've been a member for a long time and you just haven't done anything about it. God wants you to take that next step. Everybody has a next step. And lastly, God has an assignment for you. You know why God wants to encounter you, to change you? Because you are part of his plan. If you walked in feeling lowly, if you walked in in a bunch of pain, how encouraging is that? That the God of the universe, we are a part of his plan. We have an opportunity to say, yes, here I am, Lord, send me, use me. Let me be a part of this plan that you have created me for. Isaiah 60, one through three says this, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Church, it is time to get up, to shine because the world needs it. You realize? Yeah, that's something to get excited about. Is believers, it's not that our junk is any different than what the world deals with. We are dealing with the same junk we just have an opportunity to have a different response. You think we don't deal with sin and struggle and pain and the vast array with all the struggles that we face in life? We absolutely do. Our church is a reflection of the people that we work with, the people that we live with, the people that are in our neighborhoods. We are a reflection of that, but the difference is we have a hope. We have a light that God has called us into that we now have a responsibility to do something about. Ephesians 2, verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. 
key to this is discovering our purpose. We talk about it every week because we believe in it that much. That it is time to step into growth track. It's time to take that next step to say, God, I don't want to stay where I am because I know you've got a purpose and a plan for my life. We have people every week that are waking up to realize God's got a purpose, God's got a plan, and I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to do something about it. Studies say that for every individual that serves within a church gives the opportunity for four people to come to know him and to be a part of the church. So if you don't think that God wants to use you, let me just throw that statistic out there that when you say yes, God, by statistics, we're not stretching any, statistically says that four more people can come to know Jesus and become a part of this church because you're willing us to say yes. So when we say no, we're saying no to four people who could become a part of this church, who could come into the saving knowledge of Jesus and become a part of that multiplication effort. We announced a few weeks ago that we're launching a campus in Clinton. We're going to need people who will stand up and say, yes, Lord, send me. Let me go love on a community that needs to know about you. Let me say yes to be a part of something that's venturing into the unknown, but I'm going to say yes. But if I'm just truth be known, we're still trying to fill holes and plug people and get people mobilized into dream teams here. You know what that means? We need more people who would recognize that I'm a part of God's plan. And I will say yes. And through that, I have an opportunity to encounter God in a new way. And I believe God intends for us to do that together. So as we close today, first question I want to ask, we do this every week, if, this, if you're new here, we do this because we believe that Sundays are an opportunity for us to know God. And so if you walked into this room and you'd say, Pastor, I don't know God, I haven't had a relationship with Him, we give you that opportunity each and every week. So maybe you're here and you're like, Pastor, I'm just still, I'm just still curious about this whole church thing, this whole God thing, this whole Jesus thing. That's okay. We're okay with you questioning. We're okay with you being curious. We're okay with you just stepping into the water a little bit and saying, okay, I'm going to try this thing for a little bit before I make this decision. We're okay with it. Why? Because God's not going to force you to make that decision. He wants you to because he loves you that much, but you've got to make that choice. But I'm going to ask every head to be bowed in the room, every eye to be closed. You'd say, pastor, I'm here today and I need to accept Jesus as my savior. I need for him to forgive me. I, I need to experience and walk in this relationship. And I want to make that decision today to take my next step. Would you just slip your hand up? Nobody's looking. I see that hand back there. Thank you. Anybody else? You see those hands. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm ready to make that step. I'm ready to follow Jesus. Anybody else in the room? Can we just all say this prayer together? Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Help me to love you. Help me to follow you. Help love others. Come into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for those who just made that decision? Praise God.